Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast that's already used its three wishes to wish for a lifetime supply of Sanderson references. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And today, we are talking about the direct-to-video animated musical Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Directed by Tad Stones, the film is a second sequel to the Disney 1992 film Aladdin and was released in August 1996. The film picks up the story after the first sequel, Return of Jafar, and the animated Aladdin TV series, and follows Aladdin and Jasmine as they get ready for their wedding. However, the ceremony is interrupted by the legendary 40 Thieves and their leader, the King of Thieves, as they search for the Oracle, an artifact that truthfully answers any one question, per individual of course. After learning from the Oracle that his father is alive and with the 40 Thieves, Aladdin resolves to seek him out in order to find out more about his father and his goals. The film received mixed to negative reviews and currently has a rating of 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, being praised for its sense of adventure, world, and being far better than The Return of Jafar, while also being criticized for the animation and music quality compared to the original. And, as always, there will be spoilers. So, I have not had much experience with Disney sequels, I think the only ones that I've watched uh, all the way through, I, I should say the only one that I've watched all the way through, is uh, the second Lilo and Stitch movie. The one that comes after the Lilo, Lilo and Stitch animated television series, which, by the way, was amazing. Um, and if I remember correctly, that movie was also really cool because they got into all like the different experiments that... Um, that whatever alien race created stitch created uh and so i really like that i i wasn't able to sit through other disney sequels like mulan 2 just because i knew mulan so well and the instant that um i saw the drop in animation quality it was a bit of a turnoff for me uh and so it was the very first time that i've watched um not just a sequel but i guess a threequel for this film, Aladdin King is the King of Thieves, which is like the third movie in the series. Uh, and so, yeah, it was the first time I watched this a couple of days ago. And while I, I think I tempered my expectations a little bit just because I know how uh, Disney sequels get a bad rap. And so I wasn't really expecting too much uh, going into this movie. And... I think because of that, I was like, oh, this is a this is a decent movie um, <laughs> coming into this with no expectations. The songs were the songs were all right. Um, and the animation quality was uh, that one was kind of like the worst part for me. Um, but I think compared it's it's hard not to compare this film to the original Aladdin. And we've talked about the original Aladdin here on the podcast and just seeing kind of like the quality drop is uh, pretty undeniable in that respect. Uh, and so, yeah, I thought as far as sequels go, as far as Disney sequels go, I think it was it was an all right one. Definitely not the worst Disney sequel I could have seen. Um, but yeah, I, I also think it's not too much to write home about. Like, like 
I think we've said on the podcast. It's it's great if it's uh, if a movie we're talking about is completely terrible or if a movie we talk about is spectacular because we have a lot of things to say about that. This one's kind of like in the middle, so I'm I'm think I'm gonna be finding a little bit of trouble searching for things to say about this movie. Uh, but what about the rest of you? I know that at least one of us has uh, a deep connection to this movie. So, before I say anything else, I just want to put out into the world, Michael, I know how you feel, because now it is my turn <laughs> to bring a an objectively not very good animated <laughs> nostalgia trip movie from the 90s, early 2000s to this podcast and be the only one here who is losing my... I mean, I'm fully intending to lose my mind about how does nobody else like this movie <laughs> because this movie to me is like a seminal, undeniable, irreplaceable part of my childhood. Like... I don't even, I don't even remember. Like, I asked my parents, like, did we own this on VHS or did we just choose it every single time we went to Blockbuster? Yeah, that's right, Blockbuster, folks. Uh, like, was it just something that we chose every time because we knew it and liked it? Like, I don't know, but I must have watched this movie, like, a dozen times or more. And my siblings and I still quote this movie to each other to this day. Uh, like, I'm Thor. You're Thor? Well, it hurts. Or, sand, it's everywhere, get used to it. Like, shit like that. We we still say these lines. We still repeat this shit. I watch this movie more than probably, like, any other animated movie before the age of, like, six. Then, uh, except for, like, you know, the, the big obvious ones. Like, uh, the original Aladdin and Beauty and... Like, 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 some of the other Disney Renaissance stuff. Like, this, this was my jam. And I don't know what it was. I don't know, like, how it made its way so deeply into, like, uh, my, my cultural DNA or, you know, my family's cultural DNA, but this was just our movie, you know? Uh, and all to this day, you know, uh, 26 years later, I still love this movie. I still love this movie so much. I know, like, all the jokes. I remember all the fucking, word, like, lyrics to the songs. I still think a lot of the music in this movie is, uh, it's a fucking banger. Uh, like, there are parts of this movie that just are seared into my memory. Like, this is so deeply important to me. And I know, like, if I had never seen this before and you showed it to me, and I'm like, okay, it's just, like, another, like, Disney sequel. It's not that good. I... It's gonna kill me to hear the rest of you say those exact words because I know it's coming. Um, but for the record, I do think, like unironically, I do think that the movie, this movie has some meat on its bones. I think it has some, some, some real oomph to it, some real depth to the way its narrative is constructed, and I will defend it to my dying breath. Well, Iris, first of all, thank you, thank you, and I, I hope you see. Uh, you are now in my shoes at this point. But also I am. I am. But also thank you for your objective opinion of it. Like if I didn't see this before, I'd probably be like, eh. Um with that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let me let me start with some details. One, I think that the songs aren't bad. The like, okay, no, that, that, that's not true. Um, I actually do like the opening, uh, a marriage in Agrabah. Is that what it's called? A party in Agrabah. Party in Agrabah. I like that one. That was pretty good. And 
and like I think I think Forty Thieves is objectively the best one in this film. I don't know. It's if so good. It, like I like saying it's the best. The best in the film is like a kind of a low bar to pass personally, but it is good. <laughs> I won't. I won't take that away from you. It is good. <clears throat> so I do like the. I do like some of the music. Um, the animation is god awful. Like, uh, it is very evident that the people, like the people who worked on this on Disney, are like the B team. <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> B- <laughs> oof, oof, I know. Damn. Um, like sometimes, like it, it, it felt like um, there was I forgot what it was, but it, <laughs> it felt like how like sometimes when you make a drawing and you like make each individual part separately. Like you make the face and the eyes separately and then the body separately. And then you look at it at a whole and like, I have made a monstrosity. Like <laughs> at some point, Jasmine's eyes were just kind of like looking all over the place. And, like, it was, <laughs> was kind of weird. Um, so that's what I'll say on the animation. So I'm, I'm, I am though, however, willing to disregard the animation stuff. I understand this is a directive cassette movie they have like a very very constrained budget one i am surprised that they were able to get the a-team cat the voice cast back they were able to get robin williams back they were able to get um what's his name uh gilbert godfrey back as iago um are they are they the original aladdin and jasmine voice actors i'm actually not sure. uh, aladdin both the singing and sing uh, speaking and singing voice actors for aladdin are the same mm-hmm. for jasmine the speaking voice actor is the same they could not get leah salonga okay. back to sing Got but it. uh it's it's three out of four right for those did two. she even sing in the movie she sings in the original, in the original? She no no the... no in in the in king of thieves yes she does uh yeah she sings she sings in uh thin air she sings in party here in agrabah yes. She's not like a super yeah, she has, like, important a character, but she's right, she's yeah. present. Yeah. She's present enough for it to matter. Yeah. Um, I think also they probably didn't write her in as much because they didn't have Leah Salonga back. You know, that's like fair. you can't replace Leah Salonga. Yeah. So I'll give them props for that. Um, so, however, disregarding the whole budget constraints, I actually do think that the story itself is kind of lackluster, and mainly I think that the comedy is a bit lacking. And I'll go into more details of that later, but that is currently my 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 general impression. All right, well, I'll round this one out. Um, it's it's hard for me to because I, I I think this movie is actually not good. Like I'm not even sure it's not. I'm not even sure I can say it's not that bad. I think I actually <laughs> I actually have to say it's not good. Um, and it it pains me because. Like, I, there's, Iris, I think you had actually told us about this off podcast, but there was a little bit of a, a, uh, not like a, there was an issue with getting Robin Williams back for Return of Jafar, and that's why it was so momentous to have him back for King of Thieves. Very briefly, very briefly, the story goes that Disney actually broke his contract for the original Aladdin in how they could use his voice. To market, uh, specifically, he they were not allowed to use his voice to market products inspired by the movie, and they did that. They broke his contract, and you know, in exchange, he's like, "Okay, great, I'm not going to come back for Aladdin 2. And they got Dan Castellaneta to play G- Genie in the second movie, which, for those of you who don't know, is the voice actor for Homer Simpson. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. And and like bringing him back. I think was supposed to be kind of the 
not like crowning achievement of this movie, but what what they were banking on for the success of this movie was the return of Robin Williams as Genie and his presence in this movie, his comedic presence in this movie. Honestly, I think having him in this role again was a little bit of a misstep. And I'm not there. There's there's a couple of things that. You know, obviously he does bring Genie back to life and he's a great Genie and he, you know, always has been. But there's a couple of missteps with how, how you know, his 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 off-brand like fourth wall breaking meta humor is dialed way up to 11 in this movie compared to the first one. It honestly kind of draws me out of the movie. Um, a lot of his kind of quips just didn't hit the same way. It, it's it's like. I don't even know if it was just him or if it was the directors or the way that it went around, but it, it pains me to say that I didn't really enjoy Robin Williams' presence in this movie, which is a real shame because he is the best character in in, in this, you know, Arabian Nights franchise. Other than that, uh, I don't think... I, like, I'm glad to hear that there's a reason as to why Jasmine doesn't really have as much of a role in this movie. I feel like she doesn't have much of a role in this movie, aside from the couple of singing lines she has, and it's kind of a shame because she was a great character in the first one. Uh, Michael, I agree with you. I think that the overall general plot isn't necessarily, like, disappointing as it is just, like, not interesting at all. Like, there's a lot of points where the pacing is really weird, and also Aladdin makes a lot of stupid-ass decisions. Like, compared to the first movie, where Aladdin serves a pretty good hero role, there's a lot of things I was sitting through this movie and being like, Aladdin, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you reacting this particular way to your dad? Like, being like, oh, I want you back in my life. So he's like, no, fuck you. You're a bitch. Like, there there were a lot of just... I I think, Michael, you're... Your, your description of how, you know, taking different things and drawing them and putting it together and ending up having a, a product that ended up being less than the sum of its parts uh, feels pretty at, like feels like a pretty apt description of this because I think on paper a lot of the things that, you know, where Return of the Jafar suffered, they put together a lot of the pieces back to bring the Aladdin magic back in this movie and it just didn't work out for me and to the point where I think that this movie is just not good. Um but, at the very least, I have things to talk about, and uh, I think that there are some things that are good about this movie, so I'm sure we'll discuss them. But, yeah, Iris, I uh, I mean, you've given me shit about liking objectively bad movies, so this time I get to <laughs> wallow a little bit in it, you know? <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, I definitely will say, they, they lean very hard into having Robin Williams back, right? Like, the movie is very much written for him in ways that I don't think I really understood when I was watching it as a kid. Um... Granted, I, I I think it's fucking hilarious as shit. Uh, I I I fucking love Robin Williams, and you know it would be it would be very easy if you know slightly intellectually dishonest to be like, ugh, you don't like Robin Williams? Well, mm, I don't know about that one, Chief. And obviously, that's not the point here. But there's a little part of me that's like, come on, you know, the, like even when he is dialing it up to eleven, even when it is the hammiest he has ever been. The man still got talent. The man still got charisma, you know. Uh, and I think having seen Aladdin two, I mean, not a, a, a bajillion times in my childhood the way I saw Aladdin three, but in the intervening years, I have seen Aladdin two and seeing sort of what the writing is like without that uh, that spirit driving the character and driving the humor. It definitely, I feel like I am more than willing to. I'm wholeheartedly accepting of overcorrecting a little bit from a, you know, a, a trilogy perspective. Um, not that we're talking about the second movie, but 
the, the, it's just he's he's Robin Williams. Come on, <laughs> he's Robin Williams. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm in agreement with uh, you, Marcus, that Robin Williams's genie was uh, kind of insufferable in this movie. Uh, and no, no knock on the man himself because. Like you said, Iris, Robin Williams is Robin Williams. He's a great actor. He's a great impressionist. I just think that the show writers or whoever wrote this film uh, like zeroed in on the fact that the genie was the best part in the first movie and said, oh, I know what I need to do for this third film. I need to make the G- have the genie make as many jokes as possible while he's on screen. And... It's like in certain parts uh, when they're in Agrabah, when he's like, I don't know, talking to Aladdin or fixing up the destroyed palace. It's just one after another after another that it it gets it gets a little grating and it gets a little bit much, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I certainly I certainly feel like I don't uh, appreciate him as much as I do in the first film, just because of how far they leaned into the fact that, look guys, we have Robin Williams, Robin Williams, go riff, do all this stuff. That'll be good money for us. It kind of feels like that almost. Um, okay. So I'll add on one last thing before we get to like favorite moments and stuff. <clears throat> Cause I'm also on the same train of, I think that Robin Williams performance, albeit well done is not not appropriate it doesn't fit in this movie because the reason that he was so good in the first one is not because he did a lot of jokes and it was because and not because he did all this sort of meta humor stuff it is that plus the fact that he is actually a good character that genie is and that the movie is like it's to a certain extent involves genie in the plot of the damn movie what does he do in this movie he goes around talks about aladdin's wedding he fights some baddies and then he go distracts turtle from leaving that is the entirety of his character in this in this movie other than that he is just quibbing and riffing all over the place he doesn't actually do anything and he doesn't actually show any interesting character underneath him because his character arc is already done there's like there's no reason to have him back for per se but he's the one who's like, hey, Aladdin, I'm your better judgment. Think about what you're doing before you do it. Uh-huh. He's that guy. I mean, I, mean, I get that. Like, he, he in this in this movie, he, he does kind of serve as, like, the I'm your sub... I'm, like, your conscience speaking or whatever. But, like, it's the advice he gives and then, like, seven other, jo- like, quips and jokes on top of it, which is just, like... At that point, you're not a character. You're just a joke machine. Like, uh, like what? Like, yeah. it, it kind I, of felt like a caricature of Genie. Um, okay, well then, let me let me let me propose this as a question, right? Because uh, I'm gonna I'm it's my turn to do the devil's advocates thing, and I'm probably not as good as it as as you or Michael. But you guys are saying that the 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 constant humor right is too much. It takes you out of it. it it's overwhelming, right? That's sort of a a, a good. Right, like that's a good summary of 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 your your broad points. The other movie, or an other movie that we have talked about on this podcast, that we spent extensive time talking about how the humor is nonstop, how they do not give you a break, how it's just one riff into the next riff into the next riff, like some kind of out there stuff, was Shrek. 
And now I'm not saying that this movie is, you know, on the same part as Shrek. But what is it that makes the humor different? Because the people who are, uh, sorry, the characters who are giving the humor in Shrek are Shrek and Donkey, which have interesting characters. Like, they have depth to them. This this genie does not have depth. It is like a 2D version of genie. It is a 2D version of genie. Lamar. I mean, every every version of genie is 2D <laughs> up until 2019. <laughs> Um, I think, I think my favorite moment will kind of lead into, uh, is a good segue to this, uh, to this discussion, uh, because this was the moment I, I feel like for, for these, uh, movie, these quote unquote bad movies, I like to pick moments where I was having existential crises, specifically hoodwinked. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but in this one, I think, uh, my favorite moment where I was just like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, and kind of leans into the genie humor discussion was when uh, Aladdin's father, Kasim, first appears in uh, the palace to like meet Jasmine and congratulate him on the wedding. Uh, and when he like unmasks him, genie like goes on this. It f- it's probably like <laughs> 30 seconds, but it feels like a minute and a half of him just like bringing out like he's like paratrooping in code red code red code red yeah, it, he's in the it, fucking full gear and shit yeah it takes forever for this like genie army to eventually surround Kasim and I'm, by the end I'm like okay yeah I got I get it this like he's he's overreacting there is these are like a bunch of other movie references <laughs> if side note uh viewers and hosts on the podcast if you've never watched the movie uh, not the movie the musical twisted they do a great like caricature of the genie where uh he like comes onto the stage and he only speaks in like movie quotes and it it kind of like it's satirical in the moment but in this film i feel like it hits it hits that kind of uh character commentary almost on the head uh so i think that's my that's my favorite moment just because of how how flabbergasted i was um and my favorite character in this movie i think i will have to say is kasim aladdin's father uh just because of uh the fact that they aladdin and his father have this like uh this arc between them that's that's one once you take a look at it is like pretty interesting just on how the values of each of them kind of clash. Uh, and sure, it is a little bit ham-fisted at moments where Aladdin makes, like, stupid decisions just to get the plot going. But, like, the choice between, um, like, treasure and glory versus family is uh, is a tried-and-true story arc. And I did appreciate the the sort of adventure spirit, adventurous spirit that this movie tried to capture especially going on to that turtle island at the end that was i think one of the cooler parts of this movie uh but yeah what about the rest of y'all what are your favorite moments or favorite characters alex you're not gonna like this but my favorite joke in the whole movie oh, is unironically. Oh, are you kidding I, me? That is my favorite, and I'm not gonna say it's my favorite moment. But like, as far as the humor goes, that is my favorite, like humorous. You know, that's my favorite bit in the whole movie because it's just so fucking ridiculous, and it keeps going. It and it, 
okay, I'm doing a really poor job of explaining this because <laughs> I'm getting lost inside like the nostalgia trip in my own head. But like the absolute nonsense that that is. Like this movie is whimsical. This movie's like, yeah, we're just gonna do some shit. Why not? We're gonna have fun. We're really gonna let Robin Williams do some stuff and we're gonna follow where he takes us we could never get away with this kind of shit in a a, a a big screen picture they could never get away with that kind of storytelling in uh anything that was going you know to the box office but because this is a direct-to-video sequel they've got the talent and they're free to just let it do what it wants and we get something that's kind of a bit out there we get something that's kind of you know uh like concentrated but like i think there's something beautiful about like we could just go all in on this moment and have ourselves a great time we don't need to take it too seriously it can just be goofy uh all that being said i i want to like shout outs to the the saluk aladdin fight uh, shout outs to the very, honestly, very tender scene between Jasmine and Jeannie when, when, uh, she's worried about Aladdin when he's away. Uh, but I'm going to get my favorite, my, my real favorite, like, you know, for content moment to the confrontation that Kasim and Aladdin have, uh, outside of Agrabah after they've escaped. And Kasim's like, I'm sorry for what you lost, you know, but you're, you're a wanted man. We got to go on the run now. And Aladdin's like, no. I broke you out for your sake, but I'm not going to be like you. I'm not going to run away from my problems. And I thought that, that was a really honestly very touching sort of exploration of like the, the, the conflict here, right? Like these two people who have this strong tie to each other and yet have so like deeply conflicting values, you know? I think there's a lot, like if, if, if the spirit of this movie is Robin Williams, then Aladdin and Kasim is the heart of the movie to me. That's the meat of the story. That's like the, the, where the, the soul of a movie lies. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of really solid storytelling there. Uh, on that note, uh, my favorite moment is a moment where I screamed to the heavens because Aladdin <laughs> was so dumb. So this was when Aladdin asks the Oracle is where is my father? That's what he asked, right? Yeah, something and like that. It shows a picture of him, and it's clearly the guy who just came <laughs> and tried to steal the Oracle staff. He has the hand of Midas on him. He's wearing the exact same blue robe, and I was like, "Ooh, his dad is the king of thieves!" And the Latin's like, "My dad's alive!" And I'm like, "What? <laughs> How are you this dumb?" <laughs> It was, I, see, it's one of those things where... The man never went to school, okay? No, he, he grew up on the street. Agrabah has no he public ha education system. He has no image permanence. <laughs> like, I don't think they teach that at school, Iris. <laughs> face blindness is a real condition, okay? It's not his face. He never sees his face. He sees the fucking icon on his damn shoulder. Anyway, what I wanted to mention... I got nothing for you. <laughs> what I wanted to mention was, you know, sometimes kids' movies do these sort of, you know, uh, hints at a villain or some kind of upcoming twist that is meant for, like, the adults to be like, ah, I see what's happening. And the children are meant to not know what's happening. For me, that was the crux of hoodwinked because all of the foreshadowing that the twist villain is going to happen is subtle enough that most children won't get it but 
mostly obvious for for the adults. Um, this one, however, did not accomplish that goal because I think that usually when those twi- when those foreshadowing moments are inserted, they are usually around character reactions. For example, in Hoodwinked, when the bunny is staring down at Red, who's falling off the tram, the the only hint we see is Bunny's uh, sort of menacing look as she falls and his frustration, right? These emotions. This one, it's just right there. Like, literally, they focus on it. And they, it's, it's like, literally, like, as, like, I don't understand how they could think that a child couldn't get it. And therefore think that somehow Aladdin couldn't get it either. <laughs> that was my only thing. It is the most emotional outburst I've had during this movie. I was like, I, like literally, I was ready. I was like, oh, that's cool. His his dad is the king of thieves. And I wonder how Aladdin is going to react to this. And Aladdin's like, my dad's alive. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> God. Okay, but I just want to say... Very briefly, you cannot in a million years convince me that that contrivance is not, like, that is, the contrivance is not smaller than any of the nonsense that happens in Hoodwinked. I just want to put that out there. I do like that Michael found a way to praise Hoodwinked, even after we finished <laughs> talking about it in this podcast episode. Thank you, Michael. That movie is Yeah, what was, what was that about leaving each episode, like... <laughs> In that episode, to be fair, I, I actually said to that? be fair, I literally thought of that ho- hoodwink moment when that moment came up, so I think it was applicable. the The mm. defense put mm. it up for questioning, so the prosecution will will mm. <laughs> Um, my favorite moment is actually the reveal of the Turtle Island when they finally arrive. Um, at I guess the Turtle Island, uh, mostly because. That, that feels like the only moment of this movie that actually felt like it channeled the magic aspect of what what made the first Aladdin so good. Because there was a whole fucking bunch of magic in the first movie, which wasn't really present in this one. But this was the, the first moment where I was like, oh, damn, that's actually pretty cool. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think the animation in this movie was that dog shit. Like, we did just get... At, we did just... Come at like come out of here watching Hoodwinked, which is actually dog shit. And like, <laughs> yes, this is very much kind of like Sunday cartoon level of animation. Uh, like the the drop in quality is noticeable, but I didn't really think it was that bad. And I think that honestly, a lot of the the I I suppose a lot of where the money in this movie went was animating that kind of final you know first the the turtle kind of rising out of the water and all the water kind of coming out of the building and then uh again inside the uh the building where they're they find the hand of midas and you know there's all this golden shit around and all this water and stuff like i thought that, that was actually pretty decent and it was it made me be like wow that's that actually looks pretty cool so uh i will give this movie that um I also think that the whole uh, there's a party here in Agrabah sequence with the first uh, musical number, actually a really good opening to this movie. Like, uh, you know, we've all said that, you know, a party here in Agrabah is a good song. Uh, but I think that entire sequence and, you know, obviously seeing, I guess, what would be the G- genie's triumphant return as Robin Williams as the first kind of opening sequence in this movie was probably pretty cool for kids and adults alike. And I really got a kick out of that, too. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, low-key, uh, the final area, you know, where the hand of Midas was being kept with the statue holding it up on top of the larger floating golden hand, the big statues everywhere and the water rising, that would make a sick-as-hell 
D&D encounter <laughs> map. Right? That's Do not tell me that would not be the coolest thing ever. Also, also, I, I appreciate, Marcus, that you're talking about the animation. Because I do think it is important to talk about, or at least mention, that there is a difference between low-budget animation and bad animation. There's a difference between, like, not putting a lot of money into it and, like, having it land, like, square in the depths of Uncanny Valley. I mean, I mean, there, there I... are parts Sorry. of it. Michael, I'll, I'll just interject yeah. this quickly. There are parts of it that are, like, objectively, I think, pretty bad. Uh, I think, you know, Michael made a joke about Jasmine's eyes and stuff, and, like... That that honestly no you know what I have no defense it, for that yeah, one. Yeah, like there are parts there are parts where like you see facial animations that look really fucking weird or like you see like things in the back like it's the Scooby Doo syndrome where like it's just a drawn background and there's the one fucking thing that's like drawn differently so you know it's the thing that's gonna move like you see that <laughs> shit in this movie all the time. Uh, but I will give props specifically to that ending moment because I think it was animated to the tier of where the first Aladdin kind of brought it to. Yeah, I, I will clarify that statement earlier i do think that ultimately the environment art is not bad and specifically that ending part is, is pretty good i think i was mainly focusing on the character art which i do think is still god awful <laughs> yeah i mean i think a lot of our criticisms of this movie being like uh if we're criticizing the songs or the art or the animation it's because we're comparing it to the original aladdin at least i'm I feel like I'm constantly comparing this movie to the original Aladdin. So let's talk about the burden that sequels have to try and make sure that they carry on the legacy of the original film. Because we've seen good sequels happen before. Uh, specifically, I think we've mentioned that Shrek 2 is uh, a, like the shining example of a great sequel. Uh, so... Yeah, what did you think about this movie in con in the context of the original Aladdin, in the fact that it is a sequel, and also in the fact that of this like realm of direct-to-video Disney sequels? Because a lot of the times, these direct-to-video sequels do feel like uh, a sort of not not quite pandering, but it's cashing in on the fame that the original series had. I feel like a lot of these low-budget features like the extra beauty and the beast uh direct-to-video sequels mulan we talked about a lot of them are relying on the fame that the original brought them in order to well sell these i guess i guess sell these i don't i don't remember how they actually got to to video but yeah to sell these sequels uh to to children to family households so yeah what do you all think about that so, I have not seen Return to Jafar, so this statement is probably uh, misrepresentative of the trilogy, I guess. But, I actually think that this is where I'll give this movie one prop. <laughs> I think that this movie did something interesting, which a lot of sequels don't do. Or, sorry, let me rephrase that. A lot of sequels, in my mind do the rehash thing or they're like let's try to do the first movie again <laughs> um <laughs> i can only imagine that this was what return to jafar was because i mean it's called return to return of jafar um but this return one too right return kind of sort of Re return of jafar was a lot of like now i have the magic and right. you're the one helpless to do anything about right. it um, there's there's some element of that but it's you know it's not quite the same sort of like 
dashing adventure sort of thing. It's a lot of like, oh, shit, everything's bad <laughs> all the time. Well, okay. Um, I will say with this one, I think that it actually doesn't, it generally doesn't rehash. I think that there are some bits where it does feel like it's a step back in terms of character. This is one thing. <clears throat> I feel like, and maybe this is just my headcanon at the end of Aladdin, but I feel like at the end of Aladdin, like, it seems to me that Aladdin has been, like, accepted as, like, Jasmine's guy, and he's going to become the prince or whatever, and stuff like that. I could be totally wrong, but I feel like at the beginning of this movie, there was way too much of, like, uh, you're still a, you're still just a street rat. Why are you marrying the princess? Which, like, to be fair, I can understand from a point of, like, oh, we need to make sure that Aladdin's sort of, like, street rat history is still present when his dad shows up so that that is still something that can be pulled at when his dad is like, oh, we need to go, son. You don't belong here anymore because you can't come back. You saved me, whatever. Um, that being said, I actually give it props because, you know, Aladdin's whole thing was that he was an orphan. And then we get to be like, oh, does what are what are his potential parental ties and explore something of Aladdin that extends his character. Um, so I will give it that. I do want to say I, I I'm going to disagree with the assertion that there is this out of place street rat thing, because like, sure, we have Fazook, right? The, the head of the guards, right? Who like was one of the primary antagonists from the first and second movies uh who is like his whole character thing is like he sees aladdin you were a street rat and you'll always be a street rat right there's that 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 line from the first movie like he's he's there to be sort of this uh voice of you know like dragging aladdin down but like there's no none of that actually works itself into the narrative as a genuine problem for Aladdin because Jasmine and the Sultan, right, the people with the power, like, never really question that, like, Aladdin is, you know, you're not, like, a street rat. They don't, like, cast dispersions on his sort of, like, right to be one of them. I mean, they're definitely like, hey, you're, like, breaking the law and making some dumb decisions and we need to talk about that. But there's no, there's no thought of, oh... Well, it turns out we were, you know, I was wrong about you the whole time and you. there's no way you could marry my daughter, right? There, there's no point in which, like, that's a danger of happening. It's just the street rat language gets brought up because of Fazook, who is, you know, sort of there as a tertiary plot device. And because of this, this uh, as you say, this desire to sort of remind the audience, I don't think it's out of place. I don't think it's sort of, it, it's, it's dredged up to, you know, like to the point of being a problem again when as you say it's already been solved but at, but at the beginning of the movie when he's about to get married didn't like all of the noblemen in the palace say that basically it's not just the guards who said this uh it was like one one person one line of a random noble like in Agrabah. but that's like that's supposed to be uh, representative of the general feeling Right? I don't know. I mean, because there's 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 a huge freaking crowd at his wedding. But they don't they don't people. disagree. They're they just stand there and be like, yeah. Well, no, it's they're not even there when that line gets said. It's just Genie's like walks into a random person's living room. Is like, well, I don't think he's very nice. I don't think he's you know he's not like fancy enough to to you know be worth to go. And then then Genie likes you know like booty bumps this woman and she stumbles over and then we're gone. And then two minutes later, then we're at the wedding. And then there's all these people who are attending. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it, it, it actually causes any no, like narrative. No, tension no, 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 at any no point, okay. You know, this is when Jeannie is trying to what it, it, he was trying to pick out his tie, right? 
Because he was like, I think the tie is wrong or whatever it is, right? And then they realize, oh my god, everyone's here, right? Right. And then that's when some some of the noblemen said it. Am I am I am I going? Am I do I do I have a stroke right now? I (laughs) does anyone else remember this or am I completely wrong? I'll accept that if everyone else is like, you're completely wrong. My memory is so ass, you can't depend on me. I I mean, I don't want to, like, dismiss you out of hand. I also don't remember this. I I remember, like, the only only bit being, like, where where other nobles in Agrabah are like, oh, he's still a street rat, was during the opening number, that one line. I think in that specific moment, Michael, when they're... When the genie's like fussing about Aladdin, I think the reason why they're staring at him is because the genie is fussing about Aladdin. Uh, I don't remember specifically if anyone said he was a street rat in that moment, uh, but it could just because I've already put this in my short-term memory bank and it's already <laughs> been flushed down the drain. I I do broadly agree with you, Michael. I think that the the insertion of I think Iris's scene. Uh, is intended not to serve as a, you know, narrative kind of stop block, but it is supposed to identify, at least to the audience, that there are still people who don't think that Aladdin should be the prince. Like, I think that 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 scene was included so that that idea wasn't forced to you, but was made clear to the audience so that, you know, then they could develop the whole, like, well, maybe Aladdin doesn't think that he's, you know, fit to be the prince. Maybe he still thinks he's a street rat, and then, you know, that the the plot kind of moves on. That's that's the way I, I looked at it. And actually, I think, I it, with that in mind, if I'm totally misremembering this, I think that I'm, I'm okay walking that back, walking that back actually. <clears throat> because it does, it, like, of all the sort of, like, uh, uh, reversals that it does to the first movie, I do think that it does add to the tension that he and his father serve compared to his princely life with Jasmine, right? So I, I, I think I'm willing to let that slide. Uh, my my comment on the whole, you know, sequel thing and how this movie... Uh, I also never watched Return of Jafar. I barely watched any of the original Disney movies, so you know I, you know I didn't watch any of the sequels to those. <laughs> um, my my primary complaint about this, this particular movie uh, is that Aladdin... They, they work it around so that Aladdin has character growth. You know, he obviously doesn't know his family, and they use that as the linchpin for the plot. Jasmine's arc, in my opinion, was more or less done by the end of the first movie. Genie's arc, I think, Alex, you mentioned this, was done by the end of the first movie. Iago's arc, I mean, you could make him kind of like a, a secondary comedic relief in the sense that he is somewhat like a double agent, and they do in this movie. Um, but his Iago's arc, is... arc happens in the second movie. Iago's arc, I'd say, is like the one, like... The one part of the second movie with any merit. Cool, cool. Okay. But, I mean, still, that leaves me with three, what I would say, primary characters that more or less don't have many, like, don't don't really have a role in this movie anymore. Like, they, you know, Aladdin, Aladdin's relationship with his father is elaborated on quite a bit, and I think that's where the strength of the plot comes from. Beyond that... I, like genie is just the, the the voice of the conscience and jasmine is just like the person that aladdin like the person that aladdin has waiting for him at home like they're <laughs> they're they're not characters anymore and like it you can definitely tell that the plot suffers because every time those characters are on screen nothing really of substance happens like all the interesting stuff happens either while aladdin is gone from the palace and either working with his father or fighting salute and 
then at the end of the movie when they're all on the fucking uh turtle and even then jasmine comes along I, th- doesn't jasmine come along for the ride isn't she, she does and she like punches two people yeah she's there and she does nothing like and genie's not even there like that's 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 one of the problems with at least this particular sequel it just doesn't do anything with the characters that don't need anything done to them and it really really weakens this movie's plot marcus you're a fucking genius well thank literally <laughs> i was i was trying to think on like i do like what the character arc that they gave aladdin in this movie and marcus you hit it right on the head i think that if the entire movie was aladdin and kasim it would have been so much better but they had to add genie iago and jasmine because they're they were in the first one and we got robin williams and we got gilbert godfrey back so we gotta put them in that's the issue for me and also that's why genie's stuff is so obnoxious to me because it takes so much time that is doing nothing like if what genie was doing actually mattered i would think i would be okay with his antics like in the first one but in this movie he literally does like they had to find an excuse for genie to do something and to get him off screen at the end so that aladdin kasim and saluk could have their final showdown which as everyone Mm. has been showing has been saying this past part that is like a good part of the movie with the hand of minus stuff and i did really like aladdin and saluk's initial fight it felt like they were in Wakanda. <laughs> um, <laughs> is this as, king? As, as in, like, you know, they're fighting and they fall off a cliff. And so, anyway. Um. The, the Saluk has some, like, honestly, like, really inspiring, like, visual yes. theming yes. going on to him. Yes. Um, so, again, for me, all of the interesting part of this movie was Aladdin, Kasim, and Saluk. And I feel like they didn't make the movie about that enough. Instead, they had this good stuff, and they had to add Genie, Iago, and Jasmine in somehow to pad out, like, 30 extra minutes. <laughs> and that's what it felt like to me. Well, so I have a couple of responses to, to a lot of things that have been said, and I'm going to focus on this one first because it's, it's the more uh, salient. I, you know, get, based on everything you just said, Michael, I actually am suddenly thinking that you might not disagree with this so much. But my contention is that Genie and Iago and Jasmine are not primary characters in this movie. They are side characters in many ways. Their arcs have been, you know, broadly fulfilled, right? They they, they are there because they're part of this world and they're part, part of this world. <laughs> Disney reference. Uh, they're, they're there because they're part of this world and they're part of Aladdin's sort of world they're they're what he has to fight for right they're what he has to go back to they're his home essentially right in this this uh you know this found family this love right that's so important to him that was the the crux of like what he's been fighting for the last couple of movies i really do think that aladdin and kasim are the main two characters in this movie like even if you go like the top billing right is first for aladdin and then for genie and then kasim number three higher than anyone else in this movie this movie is about aladdin and kasim's like you know reuniting um but it's like even if we wanted to tell that story there's no way they can make this movie and not include jasmine or not include iago or not include abu right like those characters have to i completely forgot abu was in this movie (laughs) 
Exactly. Right? He's so much less of a character. He's so much less like a central character than he was in the first movie, for example, because there's, you know, more people that have been brought into the fold of like Aladdin's, you know, loved ones. But it's like they can't just ignore them. They can't just like replace them or, you know, like they like write them off with a flimsy excuse of, oh, you know, Jasmine's busy planning the wedding. Time for Aladdin to have his own adventure off at the side. Right. Like that to me, that would have felt disingenuous. I, I don't think there's like. Uh, like, obviously the writing is not perfect, but I don't think there's a lot of a middle ground to, like, you know, tell this story of, you know, family versus wealth and this reuniting with a long-lost loved one. I don't know that they really could have done much differently with these side characters without just, like, writing them off as if they didn't exist. Also, this is going to sound, like, so fucking petty of me. I do want to say, I I believe it was for Over the Hedge. I have a vivid memory of me saying, like, man, all this humor, you know, all these, these humorous asides, they're just not accomplishing anything. There's no reason for them to be doing anything. They're not relevant to the plot. And you, Michael, saying back to me, does it need to be plot relevant for humor to be a fun thing to watch? Or something along those lines. And my, my, how the turntables. My counter with that is that if this movie was actually funny, I would agree with you. <laughs> All right, now we're just getting into mudslinging. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, Iris, that, it, that was petty. Like, let's let's not. Yeah, that, that was, was petty, that was petty. That was petty. I know, but come on, come on. This is my. I gotta defend this movie. I gotta defend. This Iris, movie. what I'm gonna what I'm gonna say to your points are are two things. One, you can't make Robin Williams a secondary character, especially with the whole That's thing true. about how they tried to make him, you know, bring him back. There's no way they could have done that. So either you have a character that doesn't have a character anymore take up the time, the screen time of a primary character, which this movie does, or you don't use Robin Williams to their full potential, which they very clearly wanted to do. So the second thing I'm going to say is that <clears throat> you you claim that, like, I, I agree with you. You know, there is no way to effectively write out Jasmine or Genie or, uh, you know, Abu or any of those characters in this movie with, you know, without removing big parts of what, you know, the Aladdin, the Arabian Nights, you know, lore or whatever the arabian but, nights cinematic universe yes cinematic universe <laughs> i hate this but I hate this but in that case like my argument would be don't make don't make the movie like if you can't do it in a way that is that makes sense don't do it like even if you could try to put together a plot with aladdin and kasim if they can't do it in an effective way that allows you to keep the world you know prescient and you know present then maybe you're you're wasting your time maybe you're not making a movie that's worth watching okay i will kick back on that one thing you said marcus you just told disney to not make money and i have to come back at you because they're not gonna do that (laughs) so honestly we'll get get his paycheck (laughs) with that in mind if you are forced to do this movie (laughs) you are going to your head to quote quote lily ivana wakowski in the seminal (laughs) film the matrix 4 Disney is going ahead of this project with or without a consent. If you have a gun to your head and you're told to animate the genie in full SWAT gear, do you do it? (laughs) Yes, you do, because it'll be fucking hilarious. I completely blocked that scene out of my head. Um, Okay, so what I will say is yes. The first part, yes. What they... I, Sorry. Let me say yes first to the previous thing. I wasn't saying remove them. I was saying... They dedicated too much screen time to the side characters and didn't actually develop, like, not develop, 
they didn't give us enough Aladdin Kasim. Um, they like they didn't give us what the movie was about. Rather, because they dedicated so much to the to the secondary characters, it felt like it felt like to me that like we have to give them more screen time because it will get the views. You know what I'm saying? Like if they like there is a way to do side characters in a non-obtrusive way. And I do think that specifically Genie, I actually I actually don't have problems with Jasmine in this film. I think that she's fine. It's, I think specifically Genie, he is too bombastic for him to be pushed off to the side. Literally, it felt so contrived when they had to literally push him off to the side to distract the turtle. That's why it was so awkward there. So it's just difficult. Like I think they were probably just stuck and specifically with genie and we're like i think that the road that they took rather than not letting robin williams do his thing was let robin williams do his thing for better or for worse <laughs> i think that was the right call too i i do think so too yeah. and ultimately I, I think... if that if that means that that you get this movie rather than a worse movie i guess i'm okay with that <laughs> i think yeah they're definitely they're definitely worse um constraints they were sort of were were backed into a corner even from just the conception of what the movie was going to be about i want to circle back to the sort of the burdens that sequels bear uh you know sort of having to live in the shadows of their original movies right and i i guess i sort of want to circle around to what i think is the main difference in how i evaluate this movie versus how i feel like y'all are evaluating this movie like the main difference of opinion here and this i absolutely freely admit is a hundred percent a product of me having you know watched this movie a bunch as a young kid and found this movie so important as a young kid i do not evaluate the merit of this movie as being a, an inheritor of the mantle that the original Aladdin left. Yes, it is a sequel. Yes, it is in the same universe and the same characters and an extension of these arcs, this narrative, etc. It was not written to be the same kind of movie that Aladdin was. It was not conceived of to be the same kind of movie that Aladdin was. There was no world in which this was going to like live up to Aladdin or even be on the same echelon, right? It's not written to be like a masterpiece of cinema, this was written to be like a lot of like cheap laughs and you know something heart like a heartwarming story about like choosing family over material gains and like reuniting of two people who care a lot about each other even though they're very different right there's not supposed to be like something deep and abidingly strong here and i guess i'm just i don't like to me when you were when you were saying earlier alex like you know how did like this movie is has a, such a hard time like being a sequel of aladdin the great movie that aladdin is i'm like i mean i guess it's a sequel of aladdin but is that a thing right like my brain literally didn't process that in the same way because it's just not supposed to be the same thing in my mind and so i'm evaluating it with a different set of criteria that's i think probably like the biggest distinction from where we're all coming from on this uh in my view yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. Uh, but I think I the way I look at it is that if they wanted to make a movie uh, that's about a father and son adventure that will have like this grand sweeping journey and we learn like the conflicts between the materialisticness of the father versus the family orientedness of the son, I feel like they could have just not done it in Aladdin's world. Bingo! Um, <laughs> because they're the way that this film was constructed 
they didn't say they didn't first come up with the story and said, "Oh, we'll put this into Aladdin's world and we'll give it that veneer to push the story forward." What they did was they started with the world of Aladdin and said, "Okay, what can we make from this world to like what can we make from this world to keep keep uh people watching and they came up with this story so it's it is intrinsically tied to the uh to the original film because without the original film then we wouldn't have had like the basis of the story if they just started off with something else it would have been a completely different story so it is intrinsically tied to a lot in my opinion and like you said marcus and michael because it is intrinsically tied to the exploits in the first film with Jasmine, with Genie, with Abu, with the carpet, we have to have those characters in the sequel. It is a necessary evil because we can't just shunt them off to the side because everybody who watched the first movie will be asking, where's where's everyone from the first movie? Why is it just Aladdin and some guy? Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's it's a tough spot to be in. And I don't know. I don't know if there is a good way because Shrek at least has the has the benefit of having a relatively small cast of characters. At least the main three. It's Donkey, Fiona, and Shrek who are the central core of that team. And through each film, they go out and meet new people. And it's their interactions with these new people that create such a fun dynamic between all of them. Uh, but the fact that we have so many characters, so many people who are charismatic in Aladdin, it's hard to transfer that and still keep like the original charm while also introducing uh, a new story, a new plot as well. And so that, I think, is the biggest hurdle that this film had to overcome and like we said whether it did or didn't is subjective uh but yeah it it's definitely some not something i would envy if i was writing this show yeah and i mean like this is the kind of thing where then you look at the entirety of the suite of disney direct-to-video sequels and you realize that they're all essentially just cash grabs of the same characters that you loved from the original movies that are now in different stories that very clearly were made so that the money that the mouse could get his money, you know, but like Iris, you're right. We, we, I think I particularly am looking at it from a, from a, from a lens where I'm comparing it too heavily to the first movie where I shouldn't be doing that. It's, it wasn't designed to be of the quality of the first Aladdin. And you know, the budget is indicative of that the direct to video nest was indicative of that. Um, but you know, like, like it or not, there are ways to put together new kind of genuine stories with the same set of characters so long as they all have the ability to kind of grow as characters and tread on ground that we haven't seen them tread before and i think this movie just doesn't do it yeah and i don't i don't disagree that that is a reasonable instinct to want to make that comparison and i don't begrudge any of y'all like the 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 instinct to you know treat this movie uh or hold it up to a higher standard because of that. I think it's just, you know, because of how I was introduced to it, because of, like, the the, the place this holds in my memories. I just, like, I don't... There's something that doesn't just click... That just doesn't click about me trying to trying to use those those standards of judgment to this movie. I mean, I, kids certainly I, wouldn't. I, like... I love it for the goofiness that it is, right? I, I love this for the reason that a six-year-old would love right, it. exactly. Not, you know, a, a, a 26-year-old would 
not love it. Yeah. And yeah, I think right now we are just at a, a difference of uh, viewership and different values that we put on it based on how old we, uh, how old we were when we watched this movie. Uh, and finally, uh, before we end, just a word about the 40 Thieves and Saluk. Um, uh, I, I feel like it's, it's strange and weird that they added a guy, a Chinese guy who knew Kung Fu. Into <laughs> yeah, that's like, like the, I think the biggest like, problem I have with this movie. The, the racial stereotypes <laughs> that were so confused, it's hard to even like understand how they were being racist. You just knew they yeah. were being racist. <laughs> there was a random ass Kung Fu guy. There was a, uh, who I assume was supposed to be a fakir in, in the turban with the rope thing. The three French, like not quite mine triplets. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I I don't really understand, you know, where any of those stereotypes were coming from. I, they're all so muddled. I think it's just best to, like, sort of wash our hands of the whole thing and just be like, yeah, it's distasteful. It's gross. I don't understand a single fucking bit of it. You know, like... Also, I will say, like, they really could have done a better job, like, making those guys' lines more, like, understandable. Especially what they're singing. Like, come on. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, on that note, uh, we will end it there. So that'll do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for listening. This week's video that you can watch on YouTube is an animated short called Wade by Ghost Animations. It is about a uh, tiger, which I think is uh, which is uh, apt for Aladdin, although it takes place in India, not in uh, uh, not in. Agrabah. Well, Agrabah's not a real, real place, but <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Arabia. <laughs> um, but go check that out. It's a very good film. Uh, and next week, I am very excited to bring the Kirby anime uh, called Kirby right back at you. It is a uh, great childhood film of my uh, series of mine, so I can't wait to talk about it. But once again, thank you so much for listening, and you will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.